It's Tuesday, August 9th, 2016, and you're listening to episode 410 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 59 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Brodor. My name's Chad. My name is Pat. All right, give a quick shout out here. Chris Hussey and I. Oh, geez. Yeah, we woke him up from his torpor, his like World of Darkness torpor and his. Oh, my. His, you, you pulled the steak out of his chest. Yes, and he was. Garlic out of his mouth. Right. He was buried in. garlic? Yes. Huh. He was buried in soil Helps from his cholesterol. His, from yeah. His, yeah. <laughs> He was from his- <laughs> yeah, I, you had this whole thing. I planned. did. I was yeah. going to go through this whole. <laughs> we made it better. We made it better. I it was, was going to go through this whole detailed thing uh-huh. about like all the vampire stuff about being buried right. and soiled from his homeland yeah. and all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Because one of the best resources that I think I have that is not a gaming resource, right? And we could probably do a whole show on this. So the best gaming resources that are not gaming source books. But one of the ones that I love, and I think it's perfect for World of Darkness, Dresden, anything like that, is years back, there was a group called the Gale Research Group, which made a multi-volumed encyclopedia set of parapsychology and occultism. Hmm. And I was able to get the last edition of it that they made, and it was not cheap and it was not easy to find. But I was able to get the last Did you have to sacrifice a chicken to get it? Uh, in a sort of Duke University kind of way. <laughs> uh-huh. For anyone who's not following that joke, Duke University was one of the last major universities to have a parapsychology department. But uh-huh. anyway, it's a great resource. It has all this stuff in there about different kinds of vampires and the mythologies behind them and things like how Chris exists. Yeah. Like over the ages and whether he is, in fact, an undead or just not dead mm. and but anyway oh he's dead there there's actually a great episode in that there probably with a, is. With a little bit of preparation i i can bring up a, a mountain of books and material and things that i use for gaming reference that are not intended and, for gaming yeah same here i could probably come with a bunch of stuff but anyway the shout out i wanted to give is chris and i appeared uh with a guy by the name of chad parish over on the show Dead Game Society. An inferior Chad. Yeah, I, sure. I know. He's a knockoff Chad. Mm-hmm. But we appeared with him over on a show called Dead Game Society. And what they focus on is talking about not stuff that's like OSR, old school revolution. This is stuff that is actual old school games, like older editions out of print stuff. And we talked about what it was like writing for AWOL and FASA back in the day when they had Battletech. It kind of where the game's at now and where it's gone and how you bring role playing into it and all this kind of stuff. And it was about two hours of Battletech love. So if you want to hear that, check the show notes for a link to the episode Chris and I did over on Dead Game Society because we had a lot of fun. It was a lot of good conversation. So if you're interested in Battletech or even interested uh just kind of hear what the history Chris and I have within the industry is and how I came to hate Chris <laughs> and how Chris came to, came to hate another Chris. It was everybody hated Chris was the moral of the story. <laughs> All that changed was which Chris. So I will link that in the show notes. Before we get into our gaming topic, I want to hit on something that's a little bit deeper here. And we're not going to linger on this too much. But unfortunately, just a few days ago, as of this recording, a longtime booter, a guy who went on the forums by the name of DT Defender, uh, real name was Mark. 
he unfortunately just passed away. And so I want to just say here at Fear the Boot, all our love to Mark, wherever you're at, all our love to his friends and family, all our love to all the gamers out there. So don't want to linger on this too much, but just wanted to say that, you know, it's really tragic news. He was a nice guy. Yeah. Really great guy. He came up from to fear the boot, met him several times. He yes. was incredibly awesome. good guy, and the world is a lesser place mm-hmm. for his Absolutely. passing. Glad to have known him. Yep. So he'll be missed. Yes. Love the people around you. Life is an unexpected thing. So yep. love the people around you. All right. Let's get into something lighter here. Bro job. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I feel like an asshole because before I got into the topic, I was gonna beg for Patreon money so we could get new chairs. <laughs> 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 but I, don't, I didn't want to be a shameless whore no, and beg for Patreon money so we could get new chairs. So I'm going to go ahead and get into my topic you know and what? not I'll... beg for Patreon money so we can get new chairs. I'll interrupt you right there. <laughs> These chairs have broken my pride. <laughs> they have broken my back, my ass, and every other part about me that isn't already broken. For the love of God, we need new chairs. <laughs> Come on, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Open those purse strings. Get all right, some people. All right, all right. Drum some people up to contribute to this. Uh, well, I will go. I will go to Goodwill and I will buy couch cushions. <laughs> I will. I'll do it. Not, not the couch. <laughs> no. Oh no. 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 Just, I will shoplift couch cushions. <laughs> just some scabies infested fat, couch no. cushions. I could oh, put scabies. couch cushions under my shirt and they would not know the difference. <laughs> So, oh. really, that's the question. Do you want Brodor to have scabies because he's shoplifted <laughs> from the goodwill, or are you going to control so My six is bruised. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It Do is. we have to believe that? <laughs> At least you no. have a this. Mine is disintegrated. These chairs have been destroying me for years. <laughs> so, all right, that was not the topic. Yeah. No, it's the topic. Yes. So, <laughs> so the, the only other, topic. Last Wednesday night at my every other Wednesday game, uh-huh. there was a moment that occurred in the game, and it got me to thinking. And so you I made a little deeply into the bugbear's I, eyes. I did. I did. Moment. He was so handsome. He was. So he got to anyway, bend charisma was That's not right. his dump stat. No, it was not. But any which way, it got me thinking about table talk versus immersion of being in character, and little borderline game story. We were in the middle of a combat encounter and there was an NPC that we were escaping this facility with. And one of the, my, my buddy, Anthony, his character had vowed to kill this NPC, right? For a variety of wrongdoings in their past. And this NPC had been waylaid by some guards and they had him in melee and they were basically trying to beat him down and subdue him. And Anthony's character had a rifle and he was going to shoot at one of the guards And I broke in before Anthony resolved his action and character. And I said, hey, you hate guy NPC X. Here's how the innocent bystander rules work for Savage Worlds. So Anthony ends up targeting the NPC, blowing his brains out and then passing it off as, oh, I was shooting at the guard and I missed. Right. Sort of thing. So I, out of character, broke into Anthony out of character and said, hey, by manipulating the rules a little bit, you can resolve this desire for your character and further that arc and accomplish this long-term goal that you've had by eliminating this NPC. But essentially, Anthony didn't see it. It broke the immersion of in-game. However, my contribution to Anthony's action, making that suggestion, furthered his character arc and accomplished this goal for him. So it broke the immersion of the game 
and I contributed to the decisions that he made for his character. So my you running the game. No, I'm another player at the table. Right. Which that's a whole different subject because the guy who's running the game at the time, this is the first game that he has ever run. So he's a relatively inexperienced game master. How did the game master react to that? He sat back, watched it happen. Yeah. And he did not react any which way, positively or negatively. He let us have our conversation. Then Anthony picked up the dice, resolved his action. He narrates the resolution of the action, and we move on. All right, let me put a little bit of a clarifier on this conversation. Then I want to loop back and give an observation about what you just said. The clarifier on this conversation is we are talking specifically about the kind of table talk that is related to the game. Right. Not we are not, not any sort of digression. We're right. talking about last night's baseball game or Pokemon Go oh, or God. any BS like that. Right. right. Exactly. So we're talking about stuff that is relevant, but things that are occurring at some kind of a metagame, a rule level, a player to player, player to game master, game master to player, not a character to character conversation. Precisely, because we've, we've talked about, I mean, all, all role players talk about how this is a collaborative mm-hmm. group story right. building activity. And I think the observation I want to make is if you such a weird human colloquialism, why would I say the observation I want to make? Well, of course, I know the observation I want to make. Because you're about to make yeah, it. Yeah, because I'm about to make it. It's right up there with my favorite. It's always in the last place you look. Well, of course. Why you would you keep, keep looking, looking <laughs> after? Even if the first place you look is yeah. where it is. That's I, lo- I actually like that one. <laughs> <laughs> but our, my favorite. In my butt. My, another one of my favorite ones. I have this list of place your doctor looks, but another one of my favorite ones is, so I lost my whatever. Well, where did you last have it? <laughs> What if kind I knew of, that? No, yeah. What kind of a retarded question is that? If I knew where I last had it, I would know where it is right now. Anyway, all right. Point being, though, so the thing that you said that I, to me, immediately caught me as fascinating is when I was hearing you set this topic up at dinner, I was thinking, so where this is going to go is we're going to talk about the game master potentially pointing out rules, teaching, setting, manipulating the game to go a certain direction. All of which I think are valid topics to discuss, but that's not what occurred in this story. What occurred in this story was you were another player. You weren't trying to drive the game in any particular direction. No, I saw an opportunity for a fellow player to accomplish a goal that they had established for their character. And you had no idea how important or unimportant this NPC is to the plot or whether him dying no, is a dramatic because, moment. Because or, Anthony's character had met this NPC prior to our imprisonment. I had only met him once we were inside said prison camp. So, I mean, I could tell that the guy was an a-hole, but I did not know their history. Right. So I think that right there is a fascinating sort of thing. Because, I mean, what was the motivation there? Was it you felt he didn't necessarily know the buttons and levers that are available in the Savage World no, rule? So was it more that you wanted his character to accomplish this and kind of you wanted to be that agent of chaos? So little column A and little column B. So we play this game after our every other Wednesday night beer, craft beer podcast that we do. Okay. And there's one game master and two players. Neither of them know the Savage Worlds rules as well as I do. Now, in this situation, I used the clarification of the innocent bystander rules to kind of stop Anthony's action and say, hey, by the way, 
but more so agent of chaos to say, hey, you, Anthony, the player, you have this goal for your character. Here is an opportunity that you have to accomplish it, and you can make it look like an accident in character. Right, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds, sure. but just for anyone that's not familiar, what are the innocent bystander rules in Savage so Worlds? Basically, you fire at your target. If you roll a natural one on your skill die, yeah. you hit someone else adjacent to your original target, unless you're using a spread weapon like a shotgun, then it's a one or a two. Okay. Right. So this guy's, he's, you know, got a couple of guards on him, I think four guards on him. And Anthony takes the shot and rolls like, you know, it targets the NPC, not the guards, but the guy he wanted to kill, the fellow prisoner, and just rolls gangbusters and blows the guy away. So what was the relevance of the... the it, so the rules weren't necessarily the relevant thing. Gotcha. I was just basically trying to say, hey... The rules work this way. So if you, quote unquote, miss and you hit the NPC, it can be explained away via, you know, I was firing into this group of people. I meant to shoot one of the guards. I hit the NPC. Oh, weep, weep, weep. I'm so sorry. I did not mean to kill that guy. Gotcha. Even though I actually intended to kill him. Okay. The real crux of the story is, is that I broke in and saw an opportunity for someone else's character that they did not see. Yeah. Here's what. Here's what you can do. Here's what you need to do. Right. Whatever. Exactly. So it got me to thinking there is a certain level of table talk that breaks immersion, but there is a balance between the two things because I know that if I was the table and I had an opportunity like that, I would want somebody else to say, hey, Mike, did you consider this? But I also don't want that conversation to detract from the momentum of the game. Right. And I think you can also start to pull a little bit if you get into a level of planning that cannot possibly have occurred in character. For example, in that moment, his character already wants this guy dead. Right. His character has a rifle and obviously a clear shot because he pulled it off, has the opportunity to peel this guy's cap, right? So the question then becomes, does he know the right levers and buttons within the rules to do that and to have a plausible explanation? Right. Well, And did he even see the opportunity? Right. Because did he had not... Out of character. Exactly. But I think that's perhaps a little bit different than let's say we're playing a D&D game and I stop the game because Pat's playing a wizard, which is, you know, a big shock. <laughs> and Pat's about to cast a particular spell. Mistform? Uh, you beat me to it, damn it. <laughs> I, I don't know, but whatever it was, it was decided after about 30 minutes of reading. But he's about to cast whatever spell and I stop and say, well, wait a minute. If you delay your initiative and I do this first and then you cast that spell and then so-and-so uh, does this. Then it becomes a pain in the ass. Well, more than a pain in the ass, it becomes, is this really plausible? How is this planning occurring? This is a discussion between players. There is no possible explanation for this in character unless your character shares some kind of weird psychic well, hive mind. Well, it depends mind. on if they're near each other in the combat. Now, if you and I were standing together in the combat, Dan, yeah, our, if our characters were, and and it were say, I, I could tell you, I'm about to cast a lightning bolt, and you're like, hold on, let me line up a shot or let me do something like that. Then I I would buy it. If you're across the room, then I don't. Yeah, yeah. There's no way you can communicate other than telepathically, and it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. And you know, to me, and I and I don't like that. I don't I don't really like it when that kind of thing happens. And I've but I have other things to say about that too. But so go sorry. ahead, no, go ahead. Uh, and I've definitely seen Pat play this way, like all the time in our blades game imagine this as a game master i kind of let everybody do whatever the hell they want i'm i'm very open in that way in fact i really encourage people to do whatever the hell they want with their characters pat on the other hand what you do 
and, and I like it, is when other players are saying things and doing things that they shouldn't be able to. Like, okay, you said you were going down the street to the bar to get drunk. Now you're here giving us ideas for the plan. How is this happening? Are you, like, calling in on the psychic hotline (laughs) Uh or what? And, uh, you know, you definitely are into that. Now, Mm -hmm. other people, like, say, in a combat situation or something, it's like you say, Dan, people tend to operate as a hive mind. It's like there's this layer of abstraction that combat gives you where we're doing this deep in character role playing game where you you're using your gnarl voice and you're you right. know we're all acting it out and you're gesticulating wildly but now it's time for dice. Get out the dice, roll the initiative, get out the minis, moving stuff around map and suddenly there's I notice there's a shift in people's minds. And no matter how crunchy or not crunchy the system is, there's just this shift and now that doesn't mean everyone turns into these tactical robots and that doesn't mean that crunchy systems when you have combat that people stop role-playing game you know it's like i do my main attack no or i hit him with my axe valiantly and yell out that is still there but there's still this abstraction that people have that and I they noticed. feel like it's okay yeah to have those conversations yeah. that they yeah. wouldn't have how are we in gonna, those serious role how are we gonna kill right? this dragon okay well I, get, I tell you what, how about you go up and you yell your taunt while this guy is casting a buff spell on him and you get a heal ready. And, and But that's not one person talking. It's all these people talking and planning. It's like, okay, are, are, did we get out a whiteboard in front of the dragon? Are we doing like the football X's and O's with the lines everywhere? And tell, okay, Mr. Dragon, you just wait right there. We got to plan this Let out. me give three examples on this. Because I think there is an issue that a lot of role-playing games simply don't answer which is even in character when can a character speak Mm. and how much can they say now let me give a couple examples here of places where it is defined in the old fastest star trek ship combat game Mm. now this is not codified in the rules but my decision because i think it adds a certain amount of realism and it also adds a certain amount and we're fear the boots so we are the authority yeah it won't fast is gone so i can just say whatever the hell i want (laughs) but i love america i can say look i'm going to give you guys 10 seconds as a crew to talk before we go to consoles and then you cannot communicate any further you're done and it creates a certain amount of tension it creates a certain amount of immersion and it gives people a very specific amount of time they can talk let me give you an opposite extreme which is in battle tech where provided and i'm assuming mech combat here not player right. actions but if we're talking about mech combat here unless it is just shut the game down with analysis paralysis i typically let you guys talk and collaborate as much as you want and there is the assumption that we have radios. Yeah, right? you have radios and, yeah, and, and open comms, and usually heads up displays. Yeah. And, right, right. yeah, and usually when you guys play, I also have an NPC who's serving as C3. You know, right. who's someone who, if everyone's not familiar with what C3 is, it's command, communications, and control. There's somebody who's basically back at a fallback point who's watching the battlefield from a satellite or with binoculars or something and pointing out, hey, you've got somebody to your north and you guys did this and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Point being, though, because of that, I'll let you guys talk about as much as you want. Now, let me give you a third example that actually did codify this into the rules, because in both Battletech and Star Trek with the ship combat system, those were simply my decisions. Mm -hmm. Here's one that codified it into the rules, if I'm remembering right. The same fast Star Trek game, if you go to the role-playing side of it, so we're talking about the characters now, 
the way they did initiative is they did a sort of meter based initiative and each character had something called action points. Okay, so for example, let's say just for simplicity's sake, Pat has 14 action points, Chad has 13, Brodor has 12. I want 15. <laughs> well, I, I just went descending order from left to right around the table. I still want 15. <laughs> Tough. Uh. What's it worth to you to have one of my points? He was he was actually evaluating the level of friendship. Yeah, I'm the lowest. <laughs> what happens is in the initiative order, Pat goes first at 14. So now what Pat says is he says, well, I'm going to do this. And maybe this is, I don't know what these guys are that we're facing. I'm going to use my tricorder to try to identify the species. Well, there's a little chart that might say that's three action points. So Pat drops from a 14 to an 11. Okay, so that means that now Pat's next action, because Chad, you have a 13 and Brodor has a 12, will occur after you guys. So now, Chad, let's say at a 13, you say, I'm going to yell, everybody duck. I believe yelling out a short phrase, like everybody duck, was one action point. So you go from a 13 to a 12. So now you and Brodor are both going at 12 while Pat is still running his tricorder. And then it, when we finally get to that 11... And, and, and Pat, in the meta of it, Pat is standing there going... Yeah, because, going Pat, because, yeah, exactly. Pat's, he's, he's looking at the tricorder. Gotcha. He's playing with its knobs and dials and trying to interpret the readout. He will not have any opinion on what that tricorder is saying until we get to his next bit of action. Yeah. So it's Which not like... To take off his right. red shirt because he is going to get evaporated. <laughs> I never wear red. But... <laughs> It, the point being that it's not like a typical role-playing game where there's an initiative order and everybody has one turn. Let's say there was a bigger gap and Pat had like an 18 action point and then Chad, you had a 13, Broder had a 12. Pat could theoretically do a couple things before anybody else goes because of the fact that he's got these points to work through. Or even if he didn't, Chad, if you take some huge thing, like I'm going to hack a computer and that's like 10 action points. Well, there could be a whole lot of stuff occurring while you're busy with that. But the point being that it codified when you get to speak and if you speak, how it affects your interaction with the rest of the game. And so, so how do you balance that with people just talking? Like, Brodor, you're figuring out, well, do I want to do this on my tricorder, that on my tricorder? And while you're figuring that and working it out with Dan, Pat, I lean over to Brodor and I'm like, you know, he's, we better duck. He's playing with his crap. We're hitting the deck, okay? We're, we're on board. You know, and that. I suppose, I, I think the way that I would run it yeah. is... I'd try not to be a dick about it. Mm. If you guys are saying something like, hey, just so you're aware, the phaser you have has multiple settings, and this is how fast interpreted that in the context of the role-playing game, you're teaching them the game, I certainly wouldn't get involved. If you are saying something that's like, just so you know the guys were facing down, your character would probably know they're this, they're this yeah. little danger, I don't think I'd say anything about it. If you're doing table-side banter, like... Pat's going to get himself killed playing with that tricorder while he's wearing his red shirt. Let's hit the deck. <laughs> yeah. But I suppose but if I'm a- saying, you know, yelling out is three points, but just straight up hitting the deck is one point. Brodor, you're hitting the deck. I'm hitting the deck. That's the plan. Got it. Okay. It's my turn. I hit the deck. Brodor, it's your turn. I hit the deck. I don't what? know. But I, that is something that could be explained. Way too deep in the weeds. For well, me right, right, right. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying there are some people who will like this kind of rule yeah. system and some people who won't. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I I like what they were attempting to do. And yeah. having played it out a few times, it's a lot to keep track of. 
But if you can keep track of it, if you can find an elegant way of tracking it, it is a somewhat novel way of approaching the initiative system and also trying to figure out when you can talk. Because, for example, if you start saying, well, Brodor, why don't you go over there and then you can get a flank on him, which will take away his cover bonus. And then I can do that. And I can say, wait a minute, stop. (laughs) This is an in-character conversation. Mm -hmm. And you've got yourself buried and doing something else. That would be really difficult with my group. But in a standard initiative order, right? No, and and like I said, how do you define that? If it's not my turn and there's, you know, let's say five player characters and five NPCs involved in this combat, can I really only speak one out of ten moments? Right. And how much can I say? Are you going to time me five seconds, three seconds, ten seconds? Well, those are the rules. Are they? I mean, a lot of games (laughs) don't define this. But if I'm like, okay, my action card comes up, I'm going to lay down suppressive fire over here, and I'm going to yell, everybody get to the chopper, that's my turn. Right. I'm happy. Yeah. To bring up Blades in the Dark again, Blades in the Dark doesn't have initiative oh, or turn yeah, order I was or say, anything. What you're saying is, yes, because I, I was going to bring this up yeah. too, just the radical difference between that example that Dan had and what we play with. Yeah, in Blades, there is no turn order, and I can have consequence happen to the players, because there, there's no monsters, there's no hit points, you know, it's the it's the clocks and consequence and stuff. I can have consequence happen to the players, the players resist it and then try to overcome the obstacle or whatever. Maybe they initiate or something. Say we're doing a fight. It is a fight. The clock is hit points. There's a big bad and he's got a gun and we got guns and we got to take this guy down, right? There is no, well, Pat goes first and then so-and-so no, goes yeah. second. None. And it isn't explained in the rules. No. Maybe when he finishes writing, when John Harper finishes writing the rules, that might be explained. But as I understand them now, that's not in the rules. Well... I'll, I'll tell you, because I understand what they're going for. Yeah. There's not an initiative per se. There's nothing to keep me as my character from going action after action yeah. after action. I shoot like him. if I was I like, shoot him again, yeah, I shoot I, him again. It's like yeah. I, if I'm really gung ho and I'm like, I want to get this shit on and get it done with, I'll just be like, I'm going to shoot at him. You know, I'm going to reel and shoot him again and not even letting any of the rest of the players at the table yeah. do anything. I just be like, I'll, I'll do five actions in a row. Now, What's keeping me from that is unless I roll sixes every time, yeah. there's consequence to me. He rolls, he rolls a three, right? Something uh, he does it, something bad, something happens. bad's gonna happen. Okay. So that's what's gonna keep you from doing right. action after action. Just so you overextend yourself. Yeah. Yes. It, it's yes, you can unless you're lucky with the so, die rolls. So like say, so there is that. But say it, he's shooting you. Say you're the bi- say he Narl shows up in Blades in the Dark, and we're oh, like, duh. oh crap. <laughs> yeah, he comes and, over the wall because you'd be outside the wall. Yeah. Pat's character, Holtz, is like, oh my god, and then starts just fanning the hammer, yep. and just starts blasting him. He would make a roll. And if he gets a six, then it's total no success. Boom! Total success. I fills in one of the pie slices. But remember, I don't roll dice. As a game master, I don't roll dice. Now, I can say Gnarl attacks you, slices you, and, and you take harm. I can just say that. But then Pat says, well, you think that's what happens, but what really happens is I'm going to roll my resist, and then you have to pay some stress, and which is a resource of the game, yeah. and then it's like, yeah, it looks like he slashes me, but my armor, you know, is right. raked off of me, but I'm fine, and so I blast. How so would it, you? Let me let me ask yeah. you a question. And this is obviously way out of the setting of Blades in the Dark. Sure, it's the only examples coming to mind that I think would illustrate mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Let's pretend, and I know Blades in the Dark is like... We do role-playing games. We don't pretend here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let, so, 
in my real reality, yes, when yes. I when, when you're I, in your first suit, when I'm in my first suit, yes. <laughs> but <laughs> hey, so hey, you know, from my understanding, your first suit is going to have metal armor and a battle axe. I'm not fucking with you, okay? Yeah, yeah. I embrace and love you, and maybe want to pet you a little bit. That's right. But, okay, and, and I, I, little, I little heavy petting, little, yes. little heavy yes. petting, a little bit of a bro shop. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but. Let's say for a minute that in Blades in the Dark, mm-hmm. there was a spaceship, okay? Sure. I realize sure. that's not at all what Blades in the Dark is. Oh, I, it could be. I threw robots at him last yeah. week. Okay, no. fair enough. So let's say they're all on a spaceship, and it's four-player characters and two NPCs mm-hmm. and the... Gnarl. And Gnarl, sure. And <laughs> Gnarl. And the ship's about to decompress, mm-hmm. and Gnarl's the only one that's badass enough to survive that. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so the other six are all jumping for the one escape pod right. that can hold one person. Yeah. Now, normally, I'd say we'd roll initiative or make deck saves or, mm-hmm. or something. What do you do in Blades in the Dark? Because, I mean, that, like, begs for an initiative wow. round. Yeah, yeah. so... Because you have to know who went first. So Blades does not have... So what you're talking about is time. Right. All right? So you have a finite amount of time to cover a finite amount of defined distance. Okay. So in in like D&D, all that's really defined. A turn takes 30 seconds. Right. Six seconds. Six seconds, whatever. And then a square is X amount of feet and five five feet and, and all that, right? None of that's defined in blades. Yeah. So what I would do if this comes up, I would start a clock. Yes. And I would say, so you, there's different ways of doing clocks. I would do something clever with the clock where I'd say, okay, because you, you have, we'll say four players, right? Uh-huh. Right. So the four players get only one can survive this encounter. And I would say that for to escape in time, the clock has to be filled in, but the person to fill in the last segment is the one who gets it. So it's like an Indian bike race. You know what an Indian bike race is? Yeah. It's where you, the last person across the finish line wins. So you have people like balancing on bikes and going as slowly as they can. Because the faster you go, if you cross first, you lose. So it's, an, it's, it's like an Indian bike race. So that's how I would do it. And But the thing is, is that time, the concept of time, is suddenly dilated, right? Where... People are doing action. They're saying things, but it occurs in the space of like 10 seconds, you know, like an explosion of violence where you know people are shooting and stabbing, killing and doing it and clawing all over each other. So it describes events without time. Correct. That is. A f- no, it describes events in any time the plot requires it to be. Yeah, that is a fascinating. Yeah. Well, and, it, and it literally it is. It's who really wants to do what? And because yeah. I noticed this last time, mm-hmm. especially because yeah, you said something me. about it. Uh, maybe I mm-hmm. this may not be what I was talking about, but you'll tell me in a second. But I just happen to notice that we've sort of fallen into a thing where what we sort of do is we kind of go around the table when we are in in, in action. Where it's like, yeah. you know, we'll do a thing where if I decide to go first, that's great, and then we'll be like, oh, okay, to you know, the person next to me is Beth. It's like, all right, Beth, what are you going to do? And we'll sort of go around the table. You don't have to. That's not at all no. what you really what do. I- but that's kind of the unofficial thing that we what I'm start, doing because somebody has to do something and either sure. everybody's going to try and go first or nobody's going to go first. So what I do is there is a situation. There's always going to be at least one person at the center of it. 
So what I do is I figure out who's at the center of it. it might be Pat, might be Dawn, might be Beth, who, who, who knows? That's my start point, and then I work my way around the table. Yeah. Now, sometimes as a game master, I notice that there are players who haven't really been involved very much. They haven't gotten much spotlight. So I might skip people and go to that person to make sure that they are engaged in the game. I, I might skip people who are really involved and look at the person who has been sitting out for whatever reason yeah. and say, okay, you know, Wayne, what are you doing? Cause Wayne was really tired that night and, and he just hasn't been saying much. So I'm like, Wayne, what are you doing in this? And you know, are you going to attack him or do something crazy? Cause you got the crazy witch chick and it's like, Oh, okay, I'll do the witch thing. And then, then I will continue going clockwise around the table. Yeah. Like that. And a lot lately we've actually been splitting the party quite a bit yes. too. I've noticed uh, a lot. So, okay. A lot so, more than usual. So I you'll think... have to switch back and forth, but you're switching scenes. It's like, scenes. okay, you're in yeah. the basement. What's going on down there? Oh, okay. You guys are in the, you're up in the attic, the attic now. The and, okay. Yeah. Let's, let's take this one. What's going on here? So you have to switch back and forth. So anyway, if we, if we use them as archetypal descriptors, mm-hmm. it sounds like you have the blades in the dark esque games, right? Where initiative really becomes a non-issue because it's about narrative. It's about so narrative. To speak, yeah. So it's to like, speak. Yeah. No, no, it, it not so to speak. Absolutely. Because that's the way I look at it. Who doing what that is most interesting to the story, right? Balanced with sharing the spotlight amongst my players and being a fair game master, right? Okay, that and is what initially. On the flip is. side, you have something like the the fastest Star Trek role playing game, which instead of giving you a simple initiative, right, it instead gives you discrete actions that you yeah. bring. And by discrete, I mean, you know, table talk was going to talk, was going to turn into initiative. Did you? I did not. However, well, hold on, hold on. I, I, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm interested to see how it's going to get. Right. Back. Right. All right. So oh, I'm I bringing am, it back. So I don't want to talk about your, I'm totally bringing it back. But with star Trek, you have these discrete and by discrete, I don't mean hidden. I mean, separator right. individual. Discrete. Yeah. You have these tiny little actions, these sub actions within a round that, break apart the initiative round into a million little pieces mm-hmm. and you get to kind of figure out where everything fits. Now, I think what we can all agree upon is if you were to look at the vast majority of role-playing games out there, most role-playing games use the traditional model of an initiative round where everybody goes and you might have something like Shadowrun, or if you've got the right cyberware, maybe you get two or three actions. Yeah. But, but the point being, you still have a turn order. And in the course of a turn, there is a certain number of things you are allowed to do or a certain amount of time that's presumed to elapse. For yeah. example, in D&D, you had your move action, mm-hmm. your attack action. And, and all of those are and defined. Then two simple actions. Yeah, like I think was the simple action. Your swift action and your free action. Yeah. yeah. And all of those are defined in how long they Exactly. Had. And they, they, like you said, they were all defined. You knew exactly what you got to do. And then the question became, so if it's not my turn and Pat is about to go over there and I just want to yell one word at him, which is don't because i know the floor <laughs> there gives way yeah which somehow his character doesn't know gnarl laid a trap and that trap's not for you <laughs> yet exactly you know it does my character get to do that and i know this is going to come down to a gm decision of how big of a dick do you want to be but 
or how anal do you want to be? Or I, I don't know, whatever yeah. descriptor you care to use for yourself. If you do this, you're a dick. But <laughs> my, 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 and we are the authority. But uh-huh. what do you do with that? I, mean, well, I think. Oh, go ahead, Pat. Go, go ahead. No, so I was going to say, I mean, I think for me, so Pat's character is running toward the trap. Your character is aware of the trap. You're like, I want to scream, don't. Great, you scream, don't. Then it can come down to, well, so does he hear you? Do you scream, don't, in time before he gets before he gets there? I mean, it could come down to, you know, hey, let's do an opposed die roll. High guy wins. Right. You know, if, if I win the die roll, Pat hits the trap as he's hearing you scream, don't. Versus if you win the die roll, you scream, don't, sure. just in enough time for because Pat's character to stop. initiative is an abstraction of a necessary truth that really isn't reflected in reality. Let's take the classical Western shootout at high noon, Mm -hmm. right? We're both going to do a duel here. Now, obviously, let's say both of us are going to hit. All right, let's just take that out of the equation. Keep it simple. One of us draws the gun and fires first. The other doesn't. You need an initiative round to describe who gets to do their thing before the other person gets to do their thing. Oh my God. But, but if you think about the fact that in most role-playing games, an initiative round is between usually about five and 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. The idea that I do five or 10 seconds worth of things while nobody else is in motion. Everybody else is frozen in place is nonsensical. Right. That's not how life works. Exactly. And now let's go back to that shootout and say, suddenly you've got four people involved or 10 people involved. Well, all of a sudden you have a lot more complexity and Mm -hmm. chaos to all of this, where does one guy really get to draw his gun, duck behind cover and make a, what was our? What will you say? It's like, oh, you want to do that all before all before breakfast? breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> well, <It> was, and <laughs> I think I, I think it's really important for the players to understand this. What you've been saying is you have to it, whatever game system you're playing, you have to look at it and see what the round is. Like you said in D and D, you're dealing with anywhere from five to ten seconds. I think usually it was more like five seconds, five to six seconds at one point, whatever. And that's a very short amount of time where five or six people around the table are all going to do something in five seconds. Right. So you have to say, like your example, I'm running toward a trap and you want to, you know, it's a trap and you want to yell something to me. What you have to consider is what have you done in this round? Did you make an attack in this five second round? And you know, it's there, but you don't have time. And as the player, you have to recognize, okay, I can't do it because I'm attacking this guy in front of me. I'm across the room. I know that traps over there, but I, I cannot do but, it because but but he's part across. Of this is on the player. The player, yeah, it is. Has it, to be. You have to. Yeah. You have to be disciplined. Yes. You have to be disciplined, and that's where. And again, that's what I do. Yeah. I do this, and a lot of people don't, and it bugs me. I don't say anything about it usually, but it bugs me because oh, I'm thinking about it. It's a five second round. There's no way that you across the room can do this, this, that, or the other. You right. can't warn me because you're battling your foe. So now, you're looking at him. You're not looking I, at me. I think, Pat, and you've got to you've got to accept that if you're playing that system. Now in D and D, yes. Now in Blades in the Dark, totally different situation. I, it can be different. Pat, but. let me let me add on to that to say that yes, I think you're absolutely right that there has to be some amount of the players have to discipline themselves. Well, I don't think some. I think that's tantamount to this okay. discussion. I think that's you know you've yes, got I, to fair enough. And I and I would absolutely grant that. I think the one place where I would disagree was not in that conclusion, but it was in something you said a little bit earlier, which is 
where you were talking about, I'm paraphrasing here, but you said you have to look what you've already done this round. Well, here's the thing. If we assume, let's say a round of six seconds, which I uh-huh. believe is, is the current D&D round, it changes from edition to edition. But let's say six right, seconds. Right, right, yeah. So, five, ten, whatever. Yeah, think. five, ten seconds. It's a short amount of time. Whatever it is. But the point being that I may have declared, well, I'm going to run over here and swing at this guy and drop the weapon for some reason. You know, I take my my move action, my standard action, my... You're swift and you're free. You're swift and you're free, you know, whatever. <laughs> but the point being... That even though I won initiative, the reality of the situation is it's not like we're all frozen in time as this occurs. And right. so I may say that, wait a minute, we have to, I think, fairly assume some of this overlapped. Yes. And so when the round started, you and I were standing next to each other. Surely I would have seen you running towards what I know to be a spike trap. Yes, if we were. Like I said, but you didn't if it was that first that. round, if it was the right. first round, but we're three rounds into combat now. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're no, like, no, I no, start no. to decide to run over here and you've already engaged this guy over here. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. First round, I totally agree I'll, with you. First I'll grant round, you that. all bets are but off. Let's say we're it's in- like the planning stage. It's like, all right, everybody... Let's go. Well, let's but, break. Let's go. Well, I don't think it's the round number so much as let's say it's the same round. It could be the 10th round, but well, at the I'm start of saying, the 10th round. I'm just saying that, yeah, your your example, though, was like basically we're at the start of combat. Sure. So very first round, we're sort of all together by the 10th round. Who the hell knows where we are? Well, let's say by the 10th round, we you do know. stop the, start the round next to each other. And sure. But once again, I'm going this way. You're going that way. But even though it's the 10th round and we started together, my action may have occurred five actions in the initiative order before yours. Okay. So, I mean, at some point, I think a common sense does have to come in here that it's not like everyone stands store mannequins still. No. That's why I really like Blades in the Dark, or maybe not Blades in the Dark, but the concept of the no initiative and you can dilate the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, An example of this would be a fight that, the the strays in blades in the dark had way early on when we very first started it was their first they had been in fights before but this was their first real i mean like everybody's on the field taking on guys who are their power level or more powerful and it's a real drag down fight and you know you got knives out you got people beating each other you've got people swinging these giant wrenches you've got all this crazy stuff. You got people using their paranormal abilities. You got really skilled people fighting each other and fighting it out. And the dilation of the time in the narrative is that it's going really fast. It's going really fast. And you, you know, you don't have time to yell out or do any of that. It's just like kill or be killed. And then somebody pulls out a gun and shoots Dawn. She rolled terrible. I gave her a major consequence, a major harm. And it was the first time one of the strays took an injury in this game and it was just like, bam, stop. Everybody just stopped and their eyes went wide and they're like, holy. And I described how Dawn crumpled and went down and a pool of blood started leaking out onto the street. And there is this guy holding a smoking gun over her, his eyes wide. And he looks up at all of you and everybody stops fighting who they were fighting and just advances on this poor son of a bitch. And they are going <laughs> to fucking murder him. And it, and it was, I mean, that's where time, the, the dilation of the time right. fits the narrative. And it was so sweet. And you cannot have that 
when everybody's lined up like like you said like store mannequins sure. and it's like one guy then the next guy then yeah. the next guy then the next guy XCOM's the a fun game right it's it is. not and terribly it's plausible right <laughs> in D&D it's fun it's, it's all that I'm not bashing it but See, it's a different let kind me, of let thing me give, let me give another brother, I'm going to interrupt you one second here which <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to interrupt I'm you I'm going to let you finish I'm going to let you finish, <laughs> <I'm gonna> let <laughs> you finish. <laughs> no no it's fun but, I, <laughs> but one other thing I want to throw out here because I think we would be remiss and probably browbeaten for not doing it is there's another game that handles it a different way with which we're all quite familiar, which is Battletech. When you do the mech combat portion of Battletech, mm. you do an initiative order, but within the initiative order, it's a flexible initiative order. It's done by side. For example, Chad does not have to go before his teammate does. When it's that team's turn, we talk about you it. You talk about yeah, it. Yeah. It's like, Brodor, can you and, go? It's like, no, I yeah. shouldn't go because if I go, this guy will hit me and then I'll be like, Pat, why don't you go here you'll threaten this guy and then when the when they go it'll come back around then brodor will open right. up and go yeah but the point yeah. is that table talk is expected but, but the point is that you first have a movement phase yeah once the movement phase is done then people declare their targets once that's done and there are more phases than this but i don't, I don't want to get a huge rules discussion here weapons fire occurs and weapons fire regardless of how it's rolled is assumed to be simultaneous. So if you blow me up, it does not matter because it's assumed our mechs were walking and shooting at the same time. My shots still go off before I blow yeah. up. And so Battletech has a way that I think cuts the difference between, let's say, something on the far end like Star Trek, where every little thing is, is tracked, and something that has a strict initiative order like I mean, I'd say like D&D, but quite frankly, like almost every game out there in that it breaks up the initiative round into subsections. And that might be possible. And I'm sure, quite frankly, it is possible to take an existent role playing game and to do something similar to say, well, we're going to break up the initiative round into pieces mm -hmm. that aren't maybe as discreet as Star Trek, but is a little more defined than you take five, ten seconds of action while everybody else looks like a store mannequin. All right, bread or go. Oh, no, my point is no longer relevant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it is, what, what I was going to say is no longer relevant to this. However, I am curious, Pat, you were saying earlier that you wanted to go back to the original point. I do. So, okay, so let's let's move back to that because our, I had an emotional reaction to, to what you to your description of what you did. And just to, just to remind people what it was is your friend, had a goal, could be a major character goal, that he had vowed to kill this NPC for what he was going to do. And in the course of playing, you saw that he was missing an opportunity to achieve this goal. And then you broke immersion or whatever and to, right. to try to, to sort of focus him in on that. Now, Say, hey, you, and I, you, the, you have this opportunity. Yes. Now, now the reason I now I've, I react to this emotionally because I have had characters that have had that kind of thing with, you know, that have done that, that have been, call it vengeful, whatever. There's been something that I've been wanting to do. And like, yes, I am focused on that. And yes, I will kill this person because he's done something to wrong me. I've been focused on it. And for me, I know that in the role playing, first of all, I would not have missed that opportunity. I mean, if this, if this is going on, I see this NPC that's there and I've got a rifle. You don't have to tell me I'm shooting this ass and I don't care 
if it seems like an oops or not. <laughs> right. The motherfucker is dead. So that makes me question. His family's it's like, dead. And again, it's His just the player. Dead. Maybe, you know, just <laughs> maybe, the, maybe, it wasn't as, maybe it wasn't <laughs> yeah. as big a goal for this character as, as I think that it was. But it's like my, uh, my first question was, huh, why did Broder actually why did you actually have to remind him or or or, or, or say, hey, you're missing an opportunity? If it were me, I'd be like. I would have been known. I'm like, I'd be flaunching at the bit to say, is it my turn yet? So I can kill this NPC. Mm-hmm. He has you know, said that to me so many times. Now on the other <laughs> hand of it too, is from we an, were like from, McDonald's <laughs> from a player's standpoint, if that is a big motivation for my character, I don't want another character basically playing out what my character's arc is or my goal. I would feel, robbed. I would feel robbed of it. And myself as the players, like, me i i you know this is something i've been wanting to do i've been building this up and fucking brodeur just said hey dude take a you know here's what you're gonna need to do to kill the guy and i'm like right oh well and that's not how i presented it and i know i know i didn't and i I don't reaction is exactly the reason i wanted to bring it up exactly okay good because that's why so for me i and i know that you don't because i know you're not an asshole not really but you, you so don't not, listen to the you know, show when I'm I know, on. Well, that's true. I, I, I don't. I'm like, Chad, I don't listen to it. Yeah. So I, and that was not really the intent there. But, you know, that's the way like, I can see that happening. Like, for me, I would have been like, dude, I, pro- I may not have said anything, but it's like it would have caught me off guard. I'm like, Whoa. Rankled you. It would have rankled me, definitely. Maybe. But, yeah, so. I, it wouldn't have bothered me. Well, I would and, give that's, me a high five. and that's the question is, you know, A, is that behavior acceptable to you as players, but more importantly, how much of it is a game master or as a group, do you allow that sort of conversation to occur? Does it derail the game? Does it improve the narrative? I, you know, as a game master, get back to the, the topic that we did a couple of episodes ago. I am a Confederate game master in general. Now, sometimes I'm adversarial, but generally I'm a Confederate and I really have to actually stop myself from helping the players all the time. I want like you did with your friend and Dan, I've seen you do in the past too. We want to help people quite a bit, but also I don't want to spoon feed the characters every little bit of they go into a situation X, Y, and Z happens and I feel they missed X and Y. And then I'm going to, hold their hand through X and Y. And it's like, I don't want to do that. They don't want me to do that. But on the other hand, they don't know what they don't know. That's, I think, where I would draw the big line is do I think they even know. Do they know the setting well enough? Dude, you don't even know. Do do they know the setting well enough? Do they know the rules well enough? And that's what we run into in Blades all the time. Yeah. Because none of the other players play Dishonored, the game that the role-playing game is based on, and the game is half-written, and I'm the only one who's played Dishonored. Right. I mean, it's like when I was running D&D for my my family group, there are fantasy tropes we all take so much for common. Mm -hmm. They didn't know what their options were. I mean, I had to explain in detail what Vancey and magic is and how it's supposed to work. How horrible it is. And when you see this kind of, I mean, (laughs) I'm not talking about the idiosyncratic monsters I make up. When you see a goblin, this is probably how tough it is. We have an almost unspoken rule at this point to where there's a narrative going on. I'm explaining and, and you know, I'm setting this big scene and, and usually people don't generally interrupt with non in character stuff. We have this rule where it's like, 
almost like all the players have at some point or another gone, okay, time out. Okay, wait, wait, I have a meta question here. Are there robots in this setting? Or wait a minute, are there horses in Blades in the Dark? Yeah, yeah. Because there's no pictures of horses in any, and there's none of the video game. And it, or well, when you we ate them. Yeah. Yeah. When you die, I mean, that that's what that's the question I get a lot is because of the way that death works and quite frankly, doesn't work in in the setting is wait, 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 time out. So when you die then blah, 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 blah. And so I very rarely say, well, wait a minute, let me finish the scene because they need to know. And I want them yeah. to know. And they it's not like they can pick up a book and. Well, you didn't read the manual on page 34, did you? Well, yeah, and generally my take as a game master has been if it's mechanical, if it's a setting thing that the yeah. pl- the character ought to know, but the player right, doesn't, right. I absolutely allow it. If it is something where I feel it is within the knowledge of both the player and the character, and the discussion is going on too long, and I can no longer reconcile this as just the exuberance of one friend mm-hmm. Wanting to help another, which unless your friends are complete jackasses, this is what friends do. They get excited about helping each other. If it's gone beyond that and we're we're going into X's and O's on a football field. Right. And we're suddenly getting the breakdown, the Miller Coors (laughs) play of the game game breakdown, then maybe, yeah, I'm going to stop it, whether I'm the player or the game master, and say, okay, all right, come on. Really? Blooper of the game. He just breathed in that chlorine gas from the Green Dragon. Look at that. I I think think the reason (laughs) that I bounced... I would have listened to that show. (laughs) I think the reason that I bounced away from Broder's original question of should it be done is because I think even before should you hit the question of could or should it yeah. even be allowed yeah. mm-hmm. before you even get to the question of does the person want the help is the help appropriate it's does the game or should the game even allow for it yeah. and for me that's a difficult question to have in general is because with my group the meta and in character conversation is so fluid and i'm not even talking about combat i'm just talking about you know okay the the crew is gonna rob this rich lady's house and it's like i set up okay you're in your secret hideout and you know we're doing the planning thing and okay what do you guys do and then the conversation is out of character and then it floats into character and out of you know it's like somebody will say well yeah i think that we should uh Maybe look in the rules, see how much a uh, grappling hook costs, and then, you know, my character, I, I know the old lady who lives next door. We could tunnel in through it. You know what, Pat? We're also going to need to get this other NPC to get us some shovels. So, yeah, and then we can, I mean, it is literally like that. It flows back and forth seamlessly. And I think that's it's true very strange of to a me. lot of people's role-playing game yeah. experience. Yeah. I sit there as a game master because, to me, Game mastering success is when you sit there and do nothing. Oh, amen. Yeah, <laughs> amen. I mean, my best. And that's not even a lazy. I mean, ha ha ha, lazy game master. But no, that means you've set the stage and your players are immersed and they're just rolling. I, I had it in my fifth edition D and D game that I run. I recently had that experience, mm-hmm. and one of my players breaks character, looks at me, and he goes, "You love this shit." Don't you? <laughs> I'm like, "This is my favorite part about gaming." Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it's like watching 
a really great movie and only you're the director and you set it up, but you don't know what's going to happen next. And you just sit back and you just are right. entertained. You don't, you don't have to call cut. Yep. Everybody's in character. Everybody's delivering lines or ad-libbing their lines better mm-hmm. than you could have written them. Yeah, yeah, no, those are the magic, magic moments, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap this one up. No, we're not. Because I have to thank Brodor's bro. Oh, oh. yes. Brodor's, Brodor the Elder. Brodor the Elder learned that I collect vinyl records. Yeah. And he gave... By being a fan of Fear the Boot. Right. Yeah. And he gave me some vinyl records. He gave me a stack of records. <laughs> so speaking... Yeah, okay, so... Thank- and not only that, I have to say, too, that when Brodor said, hey, I'm, you know, my brother, Brodor the Elder's giving you some records, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Thanks, man. And so I went and I counted how many vinyl records I had. I had 99. His brother is giving me my 100th vinyl record. Ooh. And then some. And then some. Yeah, so, my 100th yes. plus. And, and I approve of Brodor the Elder's uh, music choice. Well, also, so, Brodor, you need to based. get on Facebook because <laughs> since we always refer to you. What? There's so much news that Facebook blocks. There's so much data mining that they do. I'm f***ing, I am, there is no way. Oh, all right. You're in, your paranoia aside. So he is right. I'm not saying he's wrong. But I mean, I have a Facebook account. I, I, I don't know. We'll save it for a negative episode or something. I, I just was having a conversation with somebody about. Are you pointing a phaser? Yes, I your am. <laughs> I seriously am pointing. Jesus a... Christ, man. I am. Did pointing... you go through safety training at the academy? <laughs> I am pointing a type one phaser Come at my own brain. On, even if that was on stun, it would kill you. <laughs> at that range, actually, yeah. According yes. to the canon, it would. It would. It I would, know. It would kill me. Mm. But anyway, ah. so I'll point a broder instead. Oh, that's fine. Yes. But, much, much but I was just having a conversation with somebody about this kind of stuff that's way too political for a regular episode right but uh, what i was going to say though is brother the reason you need to get on facebook is because we always call you by your last name right because there have been too many mics on this show and so mike yeah seriously (laughs) yeah wow i had no idea (laughs) but but as a result everyone sees robert brodor and thinks it's you that's amazing (laughs) like i've had several people contact me and be like why is brodor saying one thing on the show and then be like completely different on facebook (laughs) and i'm like because it's not the same guy reason number 16 i will not join facebook (laughs) robert's obsession with minis i just can't let it go (laughs) oh that's amazing (laughs) anyway thank you guys for tuning in have a great thank you brodor the elder Yes, and have a great week and great games. Don't point phasers at your head. And if you <laughs> or <don't>... your friends. <laughs> oh, psh, I didn't. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, well, yeah friends. Well, exactly. Yeah, I didn't. So anyways, <laughs> we'll catch you guys next time. See ya. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2016. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.